and welcome to Rods, Books, and Booze. This is your host, Jenny Bennett, with my wonderful co-host, Monica. Hello, hello. Yay, Monica's back, woohoo! <clears throat> this month's book that we're discussing is called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brosh. Monica, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about the book, why you picked it out? Yes, Radical Compassion is a wonderful book. It is a very gentle and easy read, but I also feel that the message, the message is really profound and like all things profound are usually quite simple. Right. So what I really like about the book is it teaches you how to get yourself out of the trance of reactivity of being stuck in negative emotions every day and to rise up to a level of awareness. But it does it in a very easy to remember way. Um, lots of people have this process and it's she borrowed this process from one of her teachers and other teachers teach similar things. But that's the beauty of all the different spiritual teachers and self-help people out there is sometimes you find that one thing that speaks to you and right. this process in this book since I have read it I use every day okay. which is wild there are very few out there that I do <laughs> <laughs> so I really loved the book I also love the book uh, the spiritual teacher she took the original version was Michelle McDonald so <clears throat> I <clears throat> all right listeners we are we are in the same room, but we're practicing social distancing. I have really long microphone cords, so I'm like literally in the closet of our recording studio. And Monica is over by the door. I have an external door to my house that she came in, so she's not contaminating the house. She's not getting contaminated by us. She came in, she had a seat. I brought her a beer. <clears throat> our beer today is over on. It is wonderful. I haven't had one in ages. I took a sip and I was like, oh yeah, that was that was good. I don't know if you heard me moan, but I felt a moan. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> My allergies are really flaring up today, so I'm a little congested and I'm sorry for that. But <clears throat> we're both feeling good and we, we, we've had a pretty good weekend. I hosted a book club via Zoom today. And that was so exciting, and I was happy to finally see my friends again after a month. It feels so weird during the pandemic, and I loved reading this book during it. It really helped me feel like a sense of calm, understanding what I could control, doing things that I could control. But I was like, I really felt like I needed it at this time. So thank you so much for picking it out. Sounds like it came to us both at the perfect time. Right. <clears throat> So in the very beginning, chapter one, she has uh, the brain recognition, allow, investigate, nurture as the type of meditation that she's going with. And she said, as a quote, even the most deeply rooted and harmful habits can be deconditioned. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. That's a great start. This is where I want to go with. <laughs> <laughs> There's... It was a very quick read through. I mean, it, it's only like 250 pages. It's not, it's not really long. It was broken down into four parts. Oh, three parts. 
and they flowed really gently together. It was sort of like, here's one step, here's another step. Yeah, I really liked the beginning, and I believe it's in the first chapter, if not the very first part of the book, where she talks about being in trance, which is being very, very emotionally charged and trying to get rid of discomfort being your priority versus being in presence, which is about wakefulness, openness, and love. And she talks about how different it is to operate on those two levels. And she also gives some really cool flags that you're in trance. And it's funny because I can recognize a lot of these flags of trance in my own life. Like, everybody's the bad guy. It's my kid's fault, my boss's fault. Um... Or stuff like, I realize i just gone through a whole bag of trail mix. Or, um, I'm listening to somebody, but I'm planning how to get outside for a cigarette. Or how to have a drink, or whatever. It's these right. um, instances in our life where we're not present with our life and what's going on. And once we're aware of it, we can catch ourselves and say, like, whoa, what am I doing? Is this where I want to be right now? <laughs> I was just wondering if you had noticed when you read this part, did you think to yourself, wow, I do this too? Because I sure did. Uh, some things, yes, yeah, some things, no. So, like, uh, food is definitely one of my comforts. And when I'm feeling stressed, I'm definitely a stress eater. So, I bought ice cream sandwiches, which I don't normally even like ice cream. But <laughs> my... My kids too. And I bought ice cream sandwiches. I bought three boxes. And they were like annihilated. They are gone. <laughs> and I was like. This is a good time to be susceptible to stress eating. For sure. Yeah. Especially adding in the boredom to the stress that a lot of people are having. Well, I my days are incredibly filled. And they have been so long and so stressful. I get up in the morning, I'm working all day, I come home, I'm making dinner, uh, doing homework with my younger son for an hour, sometimes more, and then I have to do dishes, I have to clean the house, I have to do laundry, and then, <clears throat> pardon me, then I'm trying to um, spend a little bit of time to myself, and I, next thing I know, I'm taking a shower, he's taking a shower, we're doing bedtime reading, and, then, and I'm trying to keep the kids on a, a schedule. It's so hard for them right now. Yeah. It's so hard for them to have a routine and a schedule. So I'm like, 9 o'clock, it's time to get ready for bed. That's what time we get ready for bed. Even though you don't have school tomorrow, even though you're just going to lay around all day tomorrow. And, you know, yeah. like, sorry, this be, I still have to sleep. I still need sleep. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. Yeah, it's been manageable, but it's definitely been hard. Yeah. So I I put I put the kids in the rooms, even though they're usually not sleeping. And then I was pulling the book up to me, and I was like, ah. <laughs> <clears throat> but I was um I haven't been reading as much as I normally do because I'm losing focus, and I'm like, oh, I didn't check this website today, or what's going on with the John Hopkins map, and how many people were confirmed in, in our county. And, and uh, I just feel lost and wandering. So I needed something to help me be, say, 
here are things that you can do. Here's how to take care of yourself. This is, it's okay to be overwhelmed. Recognize it, allow it, look at it, and then sort of let it pass through. So. And I think a lot of that is the attitude in which we do recognize those things that are wrong. And that was actually the next thing that I had on my list, which was the having tea with Mara. And I thought oh. that section was so interesting mm -hmm. because so Mara um, tried to stop Buddha from reaching enlightenment. And then after Buddha reached enlightenment, different times they would spot Mara like coming. It was like the equivalent of our devil, I would say. And so Mara would come and and try and stir things up and make trouble. And Buddha's, I can't remember his name, but his faithful companion would say, oh my gosh, oh no, Mara's here, which would represent our troubles, the things that are going on in our life that upset us. And the Buddha would just say, oh no, we don't have to react like that. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have tea with Mara. And then he would serve tea to Mara. So it's like you, it's an accepting of these terrible times and these these frustrating things that are going on and and welcoming them as real because they are real and they are happening and trying to pretend like they're not is detrimental to us it is i thought of mara more of like a dora the explorer when <laughs> swiper would come up and they're like swiping no swiping <laughs> Wow, that was a flashback to the way when my kids were much smaller. I was like, oh, it's like Swiper coming up. And they're like, it's Swiper. And then Dora would be like, let's have some tea, Swiper. Why do you keep trying to take all this stuff? Yeah. I know. I, it was just something that crazy that popped in my head. So, the yeah, the part one, I mean, like the beginning of the book, it has rain creating a clearing, rain saying yes to life. Rain reveals your true self. So I thought it was really interesting talking about your true self, your future self, the best version of you, and that's who you want to talk to, and this is who you need to like try to be at when you're going through the nurture part of you. And uh, I uh, read another book right after this one where they're talking about your future self too, your true self, your real self. And I think that's something we've talked about on this podcast before too, like tapping into your higher self or um yeah definitely the best version of you your future self all of that is is about getting in touch with your intuition mm -hmm. i feel like and i think we should say to um spell out all the steps of rain so what what you would do let's say you're having a distressing moment and you realize that you're having a distressing moment so the first thing you're going to do is you're going to recognize. So you're going to say, okay, I am stressed right now. And our initial reaction is to try and push that away. We'll have a snack to relieve our stress. But instead, what we'll do is the next step of rain, which is allow. And allow doesn't mean like saying, yes, stress is good. <laughs> or yes, this emotion is amazing. It's saying, yes, I really am feeling this. Yes, it's it's allowing it to be valid. And then um, the next step is to investigate. So 
this is where we ask ourselves questions. And one of the best examples of this is, um, you know, say we're really stressed out and we're, we don't like ourselves. you know, and you can ask yourself, well, is this true? Are these terrible things I'm saying about, are they true? Um, when did they start happening? You know, different things like that. And then finally you're going to nurture, which is to say you're doing the best that you can or any, whatever you need, you're going to comfort yourself through these difficult feelings. It would be like your best self talking to maybe your best friend and saying, what would you say to your best friend if they were going through the same thing and saying from the best part of you in a way, it'd be like comfort, acknowledge, and sort of, sort of like love who you are. That's perfectly put. It's also like, I think in psychology, it would be like taking care of your inner child. Like your tr troubles would be your inner child and then you would be the adult comforting it or whatever. And then there's an after the rain step, which is where that's just like a simple meditation where you're just sort of letting everything process and sink in. And let me tell you, you can do this process in your head quickly to stop a, a negative thought spiral in like five minutes. It's like very easy and doable. Yes. Yes, it is. I, uh, <clears throat> she breaks down into part two. Oh, part one is how to attention heals. Part two is bringing rain to your inner life. And, uh, that was part two was when I was like, oh, I can do this. Oh, this is, this is easy. Uh, these are things I, I, this isn't hard. I can do this. I can follow these directions. I really liked in <clears throat> chapter four. Uh, let's see. Awakening from the trance of unworthiness. So our negative self-beliefs, even when deeply painful, often give us a sense of certainty, orientation, and control. So uh, I was like, we hold on to these negative self-beliefs because it makes us feel like we have certainty and we have control. And how things are right now where we feel out of control and there's so much uncertainty, I get why someone would hold on to these self-beliefs for dear life because it's so scary not having control. It's so scary not having certainty. <clears throat> so Yeah, I that, would definitely agree. I, I felt like if this... Uh, I happened to borrow the book before the library closed. <laughs> I felt like if this was my book, there would be like parts that I would have just highlighted and starred. And that, and that was like one of them. I was like, oh yeah, okay. Yes, I get this. All right. I had a story um, on page 84. She talks about letting in love. That's the name of the section. And this is where she says you might imagine a dear friend, a dog, a, t a tree, a child, a grandparent, and um, receiving love from them. To imagine how you can be loved and seen and held and people caring about you. And I had this story and it's, it's weird to say it out loud. It was probably about 10 years ago. I was at the beginning of my spiritual awakening. I felt terrible. Let's just say I was at the lowest of the low and I was learning to meditate. And I think I was 
combination meditating and praying. And one of the things that I really needed was to feel loved and I wanted to feel feel unconditionally loved and hugged. Oh, yeah. And I swear, I literally felt hugged, like the pressure of it. And I felt this lightness and this happiness that I cannot even put words into. And it was all from just that asking. And whether it was some sort of future self comforting me or the power of my mind, I don't know. I don't care. It happened 10 years ago and I still think about it. And I think that it was a kind of an intuitive, you know, an intuitive asking. And I think this book really teaches us how to ask for these things that we're needing, whether it be from ourselves or from other people. I love that and I love that story she has a very similar story in the book that she talks about that and that that makes my heart so happy <laughs> it was weird it was the closest thing to a supernatural experience that I can say that I've had it was really strange and wonderful <laughs> so sweet yeah a little bit before that in the book uh, she was talking about having feelings that are real these are your real feelings however they the feelings aren't true and i thought that was something that was very insightful because i've had other friends i've talked to and they're like uh this is how i feel you know i feel like i'm a piece of crap and how can that you know not be real if you say that you know feelings are real and i'm like well yeah you feel like a piece of crap but you're not really a piece of crap and I couldn't figure out a way to say what you believe isn't true, but what you feel is. Your and then, feelings are valid, no. however. <laughs> yeah. Well, Let's investigate further. <laughs> right. And I think that's something that a lot of people that have low self-esteem would struggle with. And I I loved how she was saying, you know, uh, how, how, what, what's the experience, what's actually going on, what's really happening, how do you know this to be true? And I was like, oh, yes, okay, applaud, applaud, I like that. Yeah, there's a very subtle difference and distinction between um, what's true and what you believe to be true. And, and and that's the difference between being in a trance and being awake. When you're in a trance, you can just accept, okay, I feel like I'm a piece of crap, so I'm a piece of crap. But when you're awake, you can say, okay, I'm feeling like I am worthless right now. But you can say, am I really worthless? Why am I feeling this way? Where are these feelings coming from? And it, it just makes all the difference in the world. It does. Yeah. I, I I loved that bit. And then, um, oh, chapter six, she talks about handing it over. So um, chapter six is about uh, installing a positive state and nurturing these seeds of safety. And then she's on um, page 110. Um, there's a meditation of handing it over and so in the book she's got these cute little blue boxes about um 
different uh, bullet points and things to follow. And then she also has these meditation moments that you can follow. And then she has like sort of a question and answer. So I really like how the book was laid out as well. So I did too. It was so easy to read. You could literally read at five minute intervals and be able to pick up where you left off super easy. That's right. So it's broken down into three parts. Uh, each chapter is broken down into little subheadings. So you can just be like, I'm going to focus on this couple of pages today or right now and uh which was really helpful for me when I was losing my focus and felt like the world was ending <laughs> yeah yeah and this handing it over I mean that is a beautiful beautiful meditation and um I mean I think it's super relevant and useful to what we're all going through right now visualize and sense the handing over you might even try acting it out physically, raising both hands towards heaven and lowering your head. How do you feel when you're not holding the weight of your burden? Yes. I mean, wow. Right. And I I was like, okay, I, I'm going to do this now with all this anxiety, all this uncertainty. And uh, it, it helps. I mean, I even feel like turning up right now because it was, uh, it was like... A moment for me like okay I am going to start taking care of myself and focusing on what I can control and not focusing on what is out of my control and weird things keep going on at work that it's like they want us to do more uh, more ways of protecting ourselves so things are constantly changing and evolving not at home at home, everywhere, the grocery store. So it's a, it's a lot of change all at once for somebody who likes ruts, who likes to stay in a rut. <laughs> it was a little overwhelming. We're navigating all these changes in a complete and total atmosphere of chaos and fear. Yes. And so, yes, I have had to take several moments, many times a day, just to say, whoa, What's really going on here? And and this book put those... So it's something I've been trying to do, but this book made the process so simple and quick and easy to do, it made it practical. Yes. Practical is the to word. To everyday life experience. Yes. Yes. This is not, this is not for the, you know, the monk on the mountaintop. No. This is no. for the mom, you know, yes. <laughs> and the busy businessmen and all all of you who are just need a break but don't know how to organize it, this is the way. I I agree. Yeah, it's everyday practical meditation that you can start right now, 30 seconds, you know, read a passage and be like, I can do this. These are things that I can, I can handle and uh, I can control. And doing the steps of rain for people who don't meditate, I do meditate, but for people who don't, 
it doesn't even feel like a meditation per se because it's very interactive with your own brain. You can do it in your head. You don't have to say things out loud. It is a meditation in that you do these steps and they are repetitive and um, it's calming and, and such, but it's not like sitting quietly in a vacuum while your mind wanders, you know? It's right. very structured. Yes. So, like, you, you think of a meditation where you're quiet and still, and and then there's a whole stillness about you. Your thoughts are still. Everything is still. It's not that kind of meditation. It's not like a, a high-level meditation. It's a, I'm going to calm myself down right now. And it just, yeah, as Monica said, it only takes a few minutes. And I was talking to the kids and they said something and I just snapped and I was like really angry with them. And then I felt terrible because I was being snapping angry with them because, you know, they're just cooped up in my house all day. They haven't left. They're not eating right. They're not sleeping right. I'm not even sure if one of them showering all the time. (laughs) And... They're just sort of going stir crazy. And so I was like, okay, I have to realize I'm being angry right now because I'm overwhelmed and I'm stressed and that there's just too much on my plate right now. And I listened to a Brene Brown podcast last week and she was talking about how um, not everybody can be 100% all the time, but sometimes if you break it up, your whole family can get to 100%. If you've only got 20%, but then, you know, maybe somebody else can carry that 80%. You've got 100%. And I, uh, so I, I talked to you, my younger son. Because the other one was like, oh, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I, I can relate. That's why I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, I go, mom's, mom's not feeling 100% today. I, I can't do everything today. I, I could probably do half. I think I've got 50%, but I'm going to need... I'm going to need a 50% from somewhere else. How much do you have today? Do you have 50% today? He was like, you know, I think I've got 60% today. So I think, I think I can handle it. And I was like, that's great. Um, now think of, now the, think of the profound relief. I mean, that you, I'm sure felt that I felt in hearing that story in hearing that, Hey, I've got 60%. I've got you. And think of how powerful it is that you had the tools to even say that. Think of how many people would never have even asked and just continued on their day in that trance of I'm not good enough and I don't have enough and I'm not doing enough. And what a simple, simple little solution. Right. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, uh, I, Friday night I came home and I was like, uh, I was drained and I did not have enough percent. So my son said, I got your mom. I'm going to make you breakfast tomorrow. I'm going to pull out four eggs from the fridge. I'm going to make four scrambled eggs and then we'll split it. So Saturday morning, 7 a.m. He comes into my room. He is like, I've got scrambled eggs for you. Your coffee's made. Oh. Come eat. And oh. I was like, thanks so much, babe. I was exhausted. I did yeah. not want to be up at 7. But I, I went and I ate my eggs. And he goes, 
you know, Mom, I see you're tired. It's okay. You can go back to bed. Aww. And then he was like, and I, I made a lot of eggs, but um, these these four are for you. I'm going to make another four for me. So Aww. just go ahead and eat these four eggs. Aww. I, was, I felt so loved and so cared for. And I was just like, oh, thanks, babe. And uh, yesterday I, I had to go grocery shopping. So he knew I was going to have a lot of things that I had to do that were different and a little scary and a little weird. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I managed to get through the store and I told him, it's really stressful going to the store right now because I can have a list of things that I, w I would normally buy, which is what I, how I normally shop. Those things may not be there. Or the things that are there are a lot more expensive than what I normally buy. So I spent about $50 more at the store this week buying not everything that was on my list. Yeah, I've been encountering that too. Luckily, just by sheer chance, I had stocked up before all of this started happening just because that was my normal pattern and routine. We shop in advance for two or three weeks at a time and then we just run to the store for little fresh things that we need. But, um, but I have noticed as I've been running to the store, it is very disconcerting to see the empty aisles and it's not as bad as it was last week but still it's quite noticeable and and the attitude of all the people who are out you it's like when you walk into a room and you can feel the energy of this is a happy room or this is a sad room right right when you walk into the grocery store it's like this is confusing and everybody's worried and there's like a buzz in the air and it's it is quite the experience just the simple <laughs> you know, step of going to the store that usually is a mindless thing. Right. No, it's not. No, no. Normally I would, I plow through the grocery store in a half hour. Right. Just on a normal time. I go there, I get my stuff, I get out. <clears throat> I mean, now sometimes you may have to wait in line outside of the store just to get in. Yeah. So that we're not, you know, violating how, you know, too many people in an area or whatever. It's confusing. We're all making this up as we go along. Yes, the rules seem to be changing as we learn more, mm -hmm. as the powers that be learn more. So we, I've just decided to put my trust in the scientists, trust in the doctors, and, and know that they're telling us what they think is best to keep us all healthy and safe. And that's, that's all, all I can, can do. do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, oh. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so uh, discovering your deepest longing was a portion that I thought was very important. So she talks a lot about your star and being away from your star and how you get away from your star and about desire and, um, you know, the desires that we need in our lives. And that's, you know, the energy for our star coming home to us. And I thought it was really interesting when she talks about, um, I'll just read it. Mm -hmm. While seeking pleasure can be entirely wholesome, the energy of desire becomes problematic and hard to navigate when even our basic needs are not met. And I've, you know, it talks about if we feel unsafe, we may seek power or money. If we feel unloved, we may seek constant approval or, you know, trying to do all these accomplishments to win hope and affection. 
And uh, I felt like, oh, that really touches me. And that really, I felt like, was a valid part of what's going on around us now. Yeah, we all have these unmet needs. And, and yes, it is about, am I going to consciously or unconsciously try and get these needs met? Well, and, and just that people feel like they can't get their basic needs met right now because there's just so much uncertainty. Yeah. And so they're seeking ways to make them feel like they're getting their needs met in very destructive ways or ways that aren't, you know, conducive to everyone. Like, so my mom dropped off Easter presents for me. Mm. <clears throat> Including in the Easter present was a package of toilet paper because she went to <laughs> four stores before mm. she found toilet paper. So she bought two extra packages, one for her mother-in-law, who is um, an elderly woman who's self-isolating, and uh, one for us. So... Yeah. I was like, happy Easter. I'm like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah, how wild is that? And how fear-inducing is that when you have to... I mean, when you're literally so grateful because you don't know if the store is going to have it or not. Right. I, I went to Martin's yesterday. The entire aisle of paper towels and toilet paper was empty. I called it the Isle of Disconnect. <laughs> And I just don't understand. I know. I was like, don't we have enough material for all of our bot, our, our bodies yet? Like, I'm like, how much paper do you need to wipe your butt with? I mean, like. These are all valid questions. It's I like. Know. It's been three weeks. Why can I still not get toilet paper at the store? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. So. It's like borderline on the a point of being ridiculous at, at this time. It's like, Wow. Yeah, and apparently everybody's stuck at home, so they also want to do some baking. So there's, like, no flour, no yeast, and I'm like, but people... Those are people not breaking baking bread. They are stocking that up for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I am inherently a cheap ass, and so I've been making my own bread, and I bought a jar, a four-inch jar of yeast, um, and it says it goes bad after four months. Ah! Please, that was in my refrigerator for like two and a half years. And now I'm like nearly out and I can't find yeast to save my life. And I said, fine, I'm going to go on Amazon. I'm going to see what I can find. And today I found a pound package. It was $40. And I was like, I'll just divvy yeah. it up and stick it in the freezer. There you go. It's, it's a very crazy time of the world. Oh, so another really um, part that I focused a lot on, it's one paragraph in the entire book, but it's, it's on page 151. It's called, Forgiving Does Not Have to Be Done on Our Own. And I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. So yes. We often need support, especially if we've experienced traumatic wounding. We might choose trauma therapy, work with a healer, a spiritual counselor, or share with trusted friends. When an entire group has been traumatized, such as those who've lost friends and family in the church bombing, in a shooting rampage, or in a war, help often comes through a collective sharing of fear and grief, through ritual and prayer. 
and through the powerful and healing experience of belonging to something larger, a fellowship of kindred spirits. I felt that is where America is at right now. We are in a, a collective grieving and fear and that we can we can forgive but we all need to chime in on it and i feel like we're at a real tipping point and we're at a real choice point in our society where we can choose this you know us against them mentality or we can choose this coming together and collectively trying to get through our fear and our our grief of losing the way that things were so it is it's very powerful and relevant right now i didn't realize how much this book was going to um touch me when i started it <laughs> that was i didn't know how much it was really going to help me during the this really difficult strange time that we're living in either yeah yeah i didn't either and you know you take that chance when you pick up a self-help book where you know whether it's gonna be usable information or even good information and I was so pleasantly surprised <laughs> and really inspired by this book. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love how she talks about forgiveness and um, the stages of forgiveness. So she says the stages of forgiveness are intending to forgive, making your U-turn with rain, so doing the steps of rain, and including a real other in our heart. And that was another part that was really interesting to me. Um, you know, when she talks about this real other, um, you know, sometimes it's really easy for us to, to put other people as automatically the antagonist or the problem or whatever in our life and she talks a lot about this about connection right i think is the yes. key word yeah. there and having connections with other people and i think that's a valid step and and one that you know it's really hard sometimes to to hold other people in your heart when they're maybe doing things that you don't agree with or that upset you or or whatever but having that acceptance for others actually does help heal your own self <laughs> uh it does and that this sort of leads into um seeing the good in others which i I was like, okay, she wants you to purposely choose someone that you don't really like, that you don't get along with. And she wants you to see the good in them and see the worthiness in them, to see the light in them and to meditate it and to think about it and to send positive energy and positive thoughts to this person. And um, she talks about what, what is basic good and you know, what are these things that you can see in another person? I was like, oh, this is so hard. Yeah, that's counterintuitive to what we, what we really want to do. Yeah, I, I don't like this person. I don't want to like this person. I, I oh, really? 
I'm like, okay, I can, I'm like, I've got a list. I'll try. I'll put some people on it. I'm like, oh, but I will say this. Um, somebody that I didn't really like, I got along with because I have to. I asked for help today and they came and they helped me out. So, yeah. I mean, there, there were positive results from it. Yeah. We've got that. It's still really hard. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the cool thing about this book is she's not saying that it won't be hard. Or that what you're feeling isn't valid and real. And you can use the steps of rain to work through those feelings too. It's like layer, there's so many different layers you can go through. Right. With the process in this yeah. book. And it's the and it's the rain over and over again, mm -hmm. just slightly differently. Right. So you can find um, a way to use rain that works for you. Like maybe in chapter four, that one really spoke to you well. And maybe in chapter eight, this one really spoke to you well. That it's a lot of rain here we go let's do rain again and let and then after the rain in different ways throughout the book and i think one of the most profound things that she said is sometimes you can only do the first two steps and that's enough and that's fine sometimes you just have to recognize how you feel and allow it to be true and and if that's all you can do that's enough mm -hmm. and yeah that, I mean, I just got goosebumps, you know, and it, <laughs> it's just so useful, honestly. Those two steps is a huge step in recognizing your feelings and allowing yourself to have them is, is just a huge enough step for so many people. Otherwise, they're still in the trance. Yeah, and it's counterintuitive to what you want to do. If you don't recognize and allow, I mean, and there's a whole section on this too, I mean, that's where you come into, like, distracting yourself and where you get into addictions and repeated patterns of trying to get away from feeling how you feel. Right. Like, even those first two steps are, like, big, big, big. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so big. Yeah. It's feelings and then feelings about feelings that you have. Like, oh, I feel guilty for being angry at this person the meta feelings it's like so many feelings <laughs> and i think that's one of the themes that we've had on this show and one of the things that we've learned is your feelings are important and and they may be the most important thing and they don't go away and they don't no matter how hard <laughs> you try believe me we've tried <laughs> It's, it's not, it's not going to go away. Oh, I really liked, um, she addresses a question to you about, aren't some people just evil? And she said that, um, humans aren't that simple, basically. Yeah. That, you know, you think about evil characters like Stalin, Hitler, they're, they're still complex people. Mm -hmm. They're not pure evil. Yeah. Yeah, there. I mean, it's it's unfathomable at times to think that, but yes, there is there is reasons why 
people do the things they do and become the way that they become and and not saying that it's right or an excuse by any means. No. But it's all about taking steps towards understanding. Right. That uh, people don't exist in a vacuum. There, our cultures aren't in a vacuum. That we're all connected to one another. We're all a product of that connection. And uh, uh, there's good in us. So there must be good in other people as well. Yeah. So glad we picked this book this <laughs> month. <laughs> Me too. Uh, there was a, a nice reflection on page 200 that I enjoyed. Bringing implicit bias above the lot. Uh, which I felt like uh, goes along with a lot of different belief systems and People use that towards even like science-based evidence and, you know, sort of saying, I have this unconscious, maybe semi-conscious feeling about stereotypes because it's a mental shortcut. It's easy for people to do. It's, it was like an evolutionary advantage that we had. And, uh, you know, we have to bring to mind different groups of people, like consciously say, Oh, um, you know, I wonder how this would affect somebody of a different race or a different gender or, you know, some sort of different identity that they have, whatever that may be. And, uh, you know, cons try to consider if you know people like that as, you know, tools for this. Yeah, definitely. Inclusion. Definitely steps in the right direction towards we are all in this together. Right. Yeah. It's it's so easy to have friends that think like you do and behave like you do, especially if you live in a small town and you just sort of like, you feel like the worldview is your view and then you right. step and out I, and you're like, whoa. And I believe too, it, it this section kind of teaches you how to recognize when you may be disappointing to other people in your in your subconscious judgments and beliefs that you may not even know that you have it's right. all about keeping that dialogue open and and i guess the openness and the open-mindedness and the questioning is reoccurring throughout the whole book until you get to the resolution Right, right. Was, uh, the author talks a lot about having worked with um, minority groups mm -hmm. and trying to do social justice work. And she has some health problems, so she asked if she could um, delay a, uh, an important meeting. And the other woman was, like, super upset about it. Was just sort of, like, deeply insulted. She's like, I don't have that ability to ask for that for you to ask for that is from a place of privilege that doesn't exist in my world and then she's like oh now I can see the lens through your eyes mm -hmm. and I can be more inclusive of that and I can see how you're gonna live and die and without this meaning literally death happens so yeah. it's, it's hard to find those different lenses to slip on right right because 
you know, if you don't call attention to them or if somebody or a situation doesn't call attention to it for you, mm -hmm. you don't even know. That you don't even think there. about it. Right. It's just not even on the radar. Yeah. And it would have been so easy for her, um, the author, just to walk away from that situation when the other person was offended and upset. It would have been so easy for her to walk away from that and say, geez, I don't understand why she was so upset. You know, I'm really sick. But instead... She's so uptight. Like, what, what's right. the big deal? But they came, they went deeper and they came to understand each other better. And really, that's what this whole world is about. Yes. And that that's part of what I loved about the book was trying to form deeper connections around us within ourselves, within our families, with other relationships, within the community. I, I just, I really liked a lot of it. Yes, <laughs> me too. Me too. Definitely, we both highly recommend this book. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Yay. Okay. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to talk about and we didn't talk about and I forgot was at the very beginning... So there's this Buddha, and it's in a bad place, and they want to move it. So they pick it up to move it, and that it cracks. And they're like, oh no, the Buddha cracked. And it's like really old, maybe a couple thousand years old. And then they realize that the Buddha they've all been, you know, paying homage to was not the real Buddha. Inside the Buddha was this golden Buddha. That was the real Buddha. But people had put piles of um, like mud layered on it to protect it so that it wouldn't be stolen. And then uh, it went so long with all these protections on it that they forgot that there was a golden Buddha inside. And she says, we all need to be removing the protections and looking for the golden Buddha inside of us. I think that is a perfect analogy. A perfect, perfect way to wrap up. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Be safe. We love you. And uh, we'll see you again next month. Bye. Thank you. Bye.